This is Dune Talk, a DuneNewsNet.com production. Join us now for the latest Dune news, reactions, and lively discussions. Hey everyone, we are back for a special episode of Dune Talk. If you're joining for, for the first time, know that this is the official show of DuneNewsNet.com. We cover everything happening in the universe of Dune, including movies, TV, books, comics, collectibles, and games. Today's show is all about Dune Sports Wars, the 4X real-time strategy game that hit Steam early access in late April. This is Marcus speaking, and I'm excited to welcome uh, two special guests from the team at Shiro Games, the developer between, uh, behind his first Dune video game in over 20 years, if you uh, can imagine that. So um, yeah, let, let's uh, hear from uh, James, uh, community lead, and uh, Tom, um, one of the game's lead developers, and they're joining us today from uh, Bordeaux, France. Welcome both of you to Dune Talk. Uh, let's start off with some introductions. Uh, tell our viewers and listeners a bit about yourselves, role at Shiro Games, and what would you say that Dune means to each of you personally? Uh, hey everyone, I'm James. I'm the community director here at Shiro. Um, so as the community director, I, I engage with our community on a daily basis. If you're talking to someone uh, from the team on our Discord, or our Twitter, or on our Facebook, uh, any of the community hubs, you're, you're, you're more than likely to have come across me once or twice. Um, I kind of work with the community to understand what we, the direction we want to take the game, um, what's working, what isn't, how we can improve, what we can implement and all that kind of stuff. And then I pass it on to this guy uh, so that we can get it done. Um, yeah. Well, hello everyone. My name is Tom. Um, one of the gameplay programmers on the, on the game. Um, essentially, we just do a little bit of everything. Um, I tend to specialize a little bit on the AI uh, for the most a few months before that. And um, Dune, actually, I didn't know the license before I got into the, the studio, um, which was interesting to me because it was like all fresh. I didn't know anything about it, but I really got into it as I worked on the game. Um, it was really interesting seeing all, the, all the, the lore, the story and everything going around it. It's really deep, uh, which is really nice to create a game around it because ideas are not ever missing. Um, yeah, that's about it for me. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I read the books, I read the first three books when I was younger and have absolutely no recollection of them whatsoever. So I started rereading again last year. Um, and I'm just kind of reimmersing myself in, in the license and the world with the movies, the games, the board games in particular, and uh, being able to play Spice Wars now that it's out as well. It's been, it's been really cool to, to kind of, yeah, get back into something that was apparently such a big part of my childhood that I don't really remember very well, to be honest. Oh, that's cool. I also also read the first three books when I was uh, much younger, and then like I re revisited all of, all of everything recently. I, uh, I have no idea how I did it. They're, they're so dense. <laughs> like sometimes it's, it's a lot to take in at a time. And as a ten year old, that that was that was. Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely a different experience when when you're revisiting it later. Sure. You're thinking, oh, I I don't think I fully grasped this when I was uh, younger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. So let's uh, let's dive in and talk Dune Spice Wars. So yeah, Doom, Doom Spice Wars, obviously, we've just released into early access. Uh, we're a 4X RTS game um, based within the Doom universe. Um, it's uh, so far, the reception from our community and from our players has been incredible. Um, and with, obviously, with us being in early access, it's going to be um, a year or more of us constantly developing and expanding the game based on community feedback and trying to implement our vision into the game and finding a balance between those two sides. 
Uh, so there's a lot to do and it's an extremely busy time for, for the team here and it's a, it's a big task, but we're definitely up to it. I mean, we've nailed it with the, with the launch and the release so far. It can only go up from here. Yeah, seems to be pretty going pretty well for now, uh, at least. So we're happy with that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we, we're going to keep working on it during early access, taking community feedback and uh, yeah, just trying to make as much content as we can while still kind of keeping true to the lore of the first book for now. And uh, generally, we're okay going a little bit outside of the lore as long as it's still coherent and it makes the game better for us. For gameplay purposes, yeah. really, yeah. So it's still gameplay first, I would say, but we're trying to stick to the story as much as we can, yeah. So we, we had heard several years ago that, that Funcom had acquired the license to create multiple video game properties set in the universe of Frank Herbert's Dune. And then we heard a few pieces about another open world game. However, it was first at the end of 2021 uh, at the Game Awards that Dune Spice Wars was uh, first announced. So I'm actually um, really curious to hear how this all started and why now? Was it um, you know, the release of Denis Villeneuve's Dune movie that was you know, the key element that led to Funcom and Shiro Games teaming up to take on this Dune Spice Wars project? Or are there other factors that sort of set these plans in motion? I think the catalyst behind Funcom picking up the license, I, I can't speak for them, I don't know, but um, I, I think the, the catalyst behind it was the fact that there was going to be a renewed interest in the, in the license and in the world with the release of the movie. From Denny. Um, but on our side, as I understand it, um, the, the heads of the company, Sebastian specifically, uh, was in contact with, with Funcom, who were big fans of our game Northgard. Um, and having just picked up the license for, for Dune, kind of saw that there was a potential way that we could we could use our knowledge and our skills that we, we kind of owned on Northgard and implement that into either a a similar game um, and whether that's something we could translate to the, the Dune universe. So discussions kind of started slowly and they began rolling and rolling and rolling. Um, and I remember hearing rumors that we might work on a Dune project, but it wasn't finalized. It, like uh, there was more kind of, well, it's probably not going to happen, you know. Uh, and then all of a sudden, a few months later, it was like, okay, we're making a Dune game. Let's, <laughs> let's go. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. Well, it didn't quite come out of nowhere, but it also kind of came out of nowhere at the same time. Um, so that, that was kind of how it happened. And then all of a sudden we were, we were straight into video game development mode and planning on uh, how we were going to develop a community around the game and the kind of people we want to target and talk to and, and how we'd work with the existing community um, that has been building around Dune for, for 50, 60 years at this point. Um, and then here we are today. So the game came out in early access and still work to be done. It's and knowing from that perspective that this would be the, the very first uh, Dune computer game, as we mentioned, in, in over 20 years, right? It's been, it's been a while. Um, what was the team's mindset when you were commencing the, the game's development? So as James mentioned, um, Sebastian actually played most of the Dune games, let it be board games, video games, all of them, basically. Um, so we did have some ideas, and obviously we pulled from that a little bit. But mostly we wanted to make our own game. Like we wanted to start fresh and make something that fit the, the studio's, let's say, signature, you could say, and vision. Uh, and vision. Um, but we knew that there was like a, a huge baggage to the Dune universe. So we wanted to make it true to all of that. Um, but yeah, we, we knew a lot of fans would have expectations, obviously. Um, we just didn't want to do the like a sequel to an existing game. Like we wanted it to be our game and Shiro's game, and that's I think that's what 
people kept uh, from the, the, the whole development cycle. We wanted to stay focused on that mostly. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, interesting that you brought up uh, Northgard, of course, uh, your, your other game. Um, and I, I know that there are some similarities in, in, the, in the gameplay. So uh, considering that, was, was this approach that you, you went with for Dune Spice Wars, was this sort of always your, your vision or did you consider different potential game styles for, for uh, Dune Spice Wars? Always going to be kind of 4X with, uh, with a hint of RTS or RTS with a hint of 4X. Um, I mean, uh, when we started, the, the, the idea was it was going to be heavily 4X with more RTS elements, whereas Northgard was, was probably erring more on the side of being an, an RTS with 4X elements. We wanted to kind of go in a different direction, but take everything we'd learned and we understood and we knew from, from Northgard and kind of see how we could expand upon that and work that within the, the confines of the Dune universe. And especially with so many people on the team that were so passionate about Dune and stuff, it was, it was very important that we got it right and that we created the kind of game that we'd enjoy playing and that our players would enjoy playing and fans of the universe as a whole could kind of jump into and enjoy themselves. Um, so it's, we never really had any ideas outside of going for the strategic gameplay because it just fits within the world. It's more of the political side of, of Dune and uh, the, the militarial side of Dune. It's, it's just something that, that really worked. And we kind of had an idea from the outset of what we wanted to do. And, and then we put that into, into digital form. Yeah, and as James mentioned, like, this was always the intention. The only thing we had to do was find a line between 4X and RTS. And that kind of happened uh, like, as we went on. Like, we didn't really plan how much of an RTS or how much, how much of a 4X it would be. We just sort of figured it out while we were making it basically. Yeah. Cool. And yeah, we, we've had a lot of the mention around the community surrounding Dune and then specifically this, this game already. Uh, so I think even before early access, uh, it felt like Shiro Games was uh, actively seeking that dialogue with, with fans uh, on, online. I know that you have a Discord server that's already quite uh, quite busy. So if, if anybody is who's playing the game and you haven't checked out the Discord server, definitely uh, definitely do that. So what, what role did uh, the community interactions play during development, if, if any? Well, I mean, even even as far back as before development, we were we were on all of the different Dune discords and subreddits and forums and stuff like that, and looking at all of the all of the people that used to play the Dune games that were like, why hasn't there been a Dune game for twenty years? What's going on? Like, and talking about what they want to see from a modern Dune game and what like what other games are on the market that could even just be reskinned as a Dune game. So people talking about like Civ and talking about Command and Conquer and stuff like that. Uh, and so we were taking ideas and looking at what was possible and seeing what, what players wanted or prospective players wanted and what the community kind of expected from a new game in the universe long before anyone even knew that this was a possibility. Um, and obviously then after we'd announced, you, you just had this influx of, of fans of Dune, fans of the old Westwood games like Dune 2 and uh, Dune 2000 and stuff like that, that that came onto the server and started sharing what they thought the game should be and what they expected and what their hopes were. So it was really easy to kind of like outline what the community wanted and compare that to what we wanted and try and find either a middle ground or whether we could do something that would lean one way while still appe appeasing uh, the existing community or ourselves. Yes. The game entered uh, early access about six weeks ago now and uh, hopefully uh... I know it's uh, busy over there, but hopefully we've also had some time to reflect on that and enjoy the, the launch and its reactions. So I want to hear from, from both of you, how, how have uh, the teams experienced the community and media reception uh, to the early access launch? We're really blown away basically because we knew that we enjoyed playing the game we were making, but we didn't expect the reception to be that good. Um, 
And from day one, as soon as the early access released, a few of us were just like constantly or like frequently checking out the, the reception, the discord, how people were reacting to the game, uh, what people enjoyed, what they didn't enjoy. Um, so it was a lot of back and forth. Yeah. I would say a lot of inter interactions with the, the community from the get-go, mm -hmm. and that's helped us kind of shape the game. I mean, we were, me and me and Tom were on stream uh, almost immediately yeah. after the game released for, for about four or five hours um, playing the game. And we didn't actually see what the, the reviews were at the time. So I was kind of sat here shaking the entire time, wondering, like, well, has, it, has it been received well? Like, well, what are people saying? What are people saying? About halfway through the stream, I couldn't contain it anymore, and I had to ask our audience whether they could just kind of drop the the review score in there. And uh, when they told us it was 86% and the majority of the feedback was incredibly positive and the people were playing and, and, and saying such positive things about the game, it was awesome. And that's all captured on camera as well. That's 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 on our, our stream. And it was, it was a bit of a pick-me-up after like five hours of us being in uh, in the office five hours after we were supposed to have finished and stuff. So it was, it was really, really cool. And after spending so much time like developing the game and seeing the game grow and and having so many developers really kind of like with their fingers crossed that this was going to be something big to, to have that, that, that affirmation that it, it did resonate with the players and it did resonate with, with Doom fans was really, really cool. Yeah, and even more than that, like even two, three weeks after it released, we still had people from the team sometimes just share an article or a review or something from somewhere on the internet where the person was basically saying it was a, an amazing game. So it was really nice after working for like somewhere around maybe a little less than two years on it um to get that kind of reception was actually really nice for us yeah yeah and i can say that from uh the two news net side of course we've we've been covering the, the game news uh, since since december and um one of our uh team members who's who's been writing on the game uh J james uh, campbell so he he actually uh wrote a review uh awarding it uh, four stars for, the, for yeah. the early early access and yeah he, he's been really enthusiastic about it uh, a lot of the, the the questions that uh, that we're we're covering today like he, he gave inputs to that so uh nice. yeah uh, we, we have a lot of a lot of fans on on the do news that team as well four stars out of five not out of ten but yeah yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> from, from the development perspective like do you have specific key takeaways and learnings uh, after the launch like uh, how in terms of uh, feedback that that has been received um, yeah, so we knew, I've mentioned it earlier, we knew there was this baggage for the game, we knew we had like fans expectations, um, but still, from the development side, we, we kind of like knew that there would be a lot of people with really strong opinions on what they wanted to see, and one of the takeaways was that we sort of like learned how to navigate between um, trying to meet what they want, meet the, the expectations, and still kind of keep the, the vision we had and trying to mix both of those. Um, but yeah, managing people, as we mentioned, like the response would be positive, but that's not necessarily easier to manage because since it's positive, everyone has is very enthusiastic and- yeah, Very high expectations. Yeah, the they want to add their little touch to it, but like they, they want to have their little idea heard. So that was really um, uh, something we had to, for the most of us, discover. Yes, I, I haven't had the chance to work on this, these types of, of projects before. Um, so that's one thing from the development side that early access and um, yeah, the community 
that I've, I've learned, I've had to manage. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And James, was there anything that surprised you in terms of, because I'm sure you've heard a lot of different opinions and things from the community. Was there, was there anything that really stood out? It sounds a bit stupid, but it's, it surprised me just how passionate Dune fans were about the property. Because I knew that there was, there was a very passionate fan base behind it. I knew that we were kind of tapping into something that had been kind of untouched for a long time in, in a lot of ways. But I, I didn't expect to see quite so much feedback based on very, very minor, minor things that we, we thought were minor that to the players ended up being pretty major. Uh, so, that there, and there's a lot of that on an almost daily basis where you'll see something that's like, this isn't quite how it should be in the books. And we're like, oh, okay, all right, fair enough. Uh, well, we did it this way because of this. Sometimes it's because of gameplay decisions, sometimes it's oversight, sometimes it's just because uh, it's us touching on the game and doing our own thing and creating our own vision of, of the world within Frank Herbert's universe. Um, and that's just an almost constant thing with, with the community as well. And it's really cool as well, because it helps us make the game more engaging and makes us make the game more authentic and real and closer to the universe in itself. But it was, it was something I haven't really dealt with before because I haven't, haven't worked on, on licensed games before. So it's the first time I kind of jumped into something like that. And that's really, really cool. And it's great to have so many passionate people that can put forward ideas and, and kind of help you guide the game to a better place. Yeah, and we, we've touched on that a, a lot on the show, like how people have gotten into Dune for so many different different re reasons. And there are so many longtime fans, whether it is, you know, like, you know, they came in through the, through the books and they read that. Uh, like we, we, we have uh, Simon on the show he, who came in through the action figures. Uh, oh. And uh, some people have, have come in through the, through the previous uh, strat strategy games that were, uh, you know, re released in the, in the late uh, 1990s. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there, there's just uh, so much long-term long fans and uh, a lot of um, diversity uh, am among that different experiences. There, there's a lot of ways that, that people can get into Dune. But yeah, like I think that in common uh, that, that it is a very passionate fan base. Yeah. It is. <laughs> so um, let's um, go go to the, the roadmap that was shared shared recently. So and we'll put that on on the screen for for those uh, watching on YouTube. So I know that recently you shared um, basically your your first um, look at what's coming next in the in the game in terms of I guess the the big uh, big milestones. Uh, so I wanted to discuss some of the those uh, those items. So one of the things that is on the roadmap is of course uh, multiplayer. Um, uh, feature yeah. and we'll we'll get into that. I was um, wondering what what led to that plan to prioritize multiplayer, for example, over a campaign mode. So essentially, the idea for us was to weigh the pros and cons of creating content for the game and replayability. That's one thing we want to focus on. Since it's early access, we feel the more content we add and the more ways to play the game we add, the better. Um, and multiplayer was a better option for us. It creates a lot more replayability for now for smaller costs because obviously a campaign um, is a huge task but it also just happened that when we released into early access one of the most requested features was actually multiplayer so you kind of kind of a lucky yeah lucky, yeah it stars aligned there yeah um, but that's we knew multiplayer was going to be one of the biggest thing um, all these types of games they just really come to life when all of those little intricate systems can actually be played players versus player. Because obviously the AI is never gonna be perfect. You can always cheese it. It's not gonna you know, react the same way a human does, uh, especially for um, systems like diplomacy or like the trades or anything like that. Um, so multiplayer was really the big thing for us uh, from the get-go, yeah. yeah. I mean, with, uh, with Northgard, it was the same thing. I mean, we, we, we added a lot of stuff over the course of early access. 
but it was when we added multiplayer that the game really blossomed and really boomed with the community and, and, and kind of built this huge player base. Uh, and it helps during early access when you're when you're creating a game that you want user feedback on and you want to develop alongside your community. The more people that are playing, the more people that are playing together, uh, really helps you kind of achieve your vision and and push the game forwards in a way that you wouldn't really be able to do when people are only playing against the computer and stuff like that, and not really engaging with each other and talking with each other about what could be improved. So multiplayer was always kind of a a priority of us. And also as a as a little funny side note, a lot of the times during the development, we were actually uh, discussing balancing or different mechanics in the game. And oftentimes we would hear one of the designers say, oh, but just wait for the multiplayer because it's going to be a lot different. Uh, so this could feel really strong or really like underwhelming sometimes, but it's going to change in multiplayer. Yeah. So we were also pretty excited to actually make it happen as soon as possible to really test that out and yeah. kind of kind of gave you a new way refine the system yeah 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 that, that's a good point that you brought that up so in terms of balance changes uh, what do you expect will have to happen once multiplayer is is implemented um well we knew that the balancing would be very different in multiplayer so as soon as multiplayer releases we do want to focus on balancing for the first few days based on the feedback um it's going to be a lot different because obviously I've mentioned it before, the AI can be cheesed really easily. It's, it's never going to be perfect. Um, we know that if something is too strong, for example, it's going to create like a meta right away. Like people are going to be engaging with that, even though there probably won't be a ranked system at, as soon as it releases in multiplayer. We don't know if in the future there will be one, but for now it's, it's not going to be the case. And even without ranking, people are going to be abusing the strongest strategy if it's too easy to use. So we do want to address that. We don't want all those strategies that are way too strong. Um, so that's that's one thing we're going to be really careful, careful yep. with um, when it releases. Um, other than that, it's just basically going to be keep creating content, which is also different in multiplayer because you can have like systems that are a little more in depth or a little more intricate and complex that really shine when two people or more people are actually playing together. Yeah. And balancing is a very key aspect of, of like RTS and 4X games as well, because with so many systems in play and so many things that you have to deal with and manage and stuff like that, it can be really easy to, to kind of take advantage of certain things so that you can you can gain an advantage over other people and stuff like that. And uh, like Tom said earlier, just kind of cheesing stuff. So we need to make sure that we've got everything balanced and that every single way of approaching the game is viable for players, depending on how they want to play the game and how they want to approach it themselves. Um, so we've got a lot of ideas there, but we'll see even more, uh, the more people play and the more feedback we get. Yeah, especially given that these type of games, some like aspects of the game can really snowball into something really strong that we did not expect. Like you can combo a few things together and we didn't really expect that, which is one of the really great thing about the game and this genre of game, yeah. you can just create strategies or like builds or whatever you call them uh, that we didn't really expect to be played or like we didn't anticipate, but that's also why it's so hard to balance sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting that you brought up the point that multiplayer was a very demanded feature from the community. And I can imagine that multiplayer does also change the dynamics a bit. So uh, James, from, from a community perspective, uh, do you think that will add challenges in terms of like how uh, how the interactions will be? Well, I mean, I think I'm going to be banning a lot of people. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think obviously uh, it's going to create more of a community-oriented community. 
I guess. Uh, there's going to be a lot more kind of interactions between players. It's going to create uh, a lot more discussion and kind of activity on our voice channels and stuff like that, especially on Discord. Um, and the challenge is going to be trying to make sure that we, we, we manage the game in a way that, that helps us keep everyone on the same level. We, we don't want people to choose a certain, as, as we kind of touched on just then, we don't want people to choose a certain faction because they know that they're going to win with that because that's got all of the best ex exploits that you can use. So it's going to be about understanding what our players like do in the game, uh, understanding what works and what doesn't, and then kind of drawing from that and then improving the game and improving the multiplayer experiences and systems to make sure that everyone's on even footing, everyone starts off the same, and that everyone has a chance of winning the game. By, be it via diplomacy, be it via domination, or whatever they choose in, in how they want to try and win. Um, but I, I, I'm going to try and avoid banning people. That's that's the core right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so touching on the eventual campaign mode. So um, in terms of, you know, Dune is very rich when it comes to, to story and, and lore. So is, is this still an important consideration for the for the future of Dune Spice Wars? It's been a question for a really long time. Uh, the campaign mode is something we want to do at some point, if we can. Um, it's just a huge undertaking. Basically, you have all of the narrative side. That's a huge thing, because obviously the lore is really deep and complex and rich. But that also means that we need to translate that into the game, which is yeah. obviously difficult. Um, you don't want to retread what's already been done. Yeah, as well. Like is people, people have seen the the Doom books first story, uh, the, the first Doom book story. People have read the first Doom book story. They've seen it on camera. They've seen it in the books. Yeah. Um, and kind of redoing all of that step by step isn't going to be engaging or enjoyable for players, really. So it's uh, you have to find a way of of implementing something into the game that adds to the world and doesn't just kind of like follow the footsteps that have already been laid down. It's, yeah. Uh, on top of that. That's already difficult, but we also need to make it engaging in terms of gameplay. Like you just, yeah. you, it's not a, it's not a story, it's not a book that we're we're making a video game. So it also needs to be engaging on the gameplay side. So matching these two things is difficult. It takes time. Um, we want to do it, but it's just a question of when and how can we do it and doing it properly and not just doing it because we can yeah. or because people say that we should. We we want to make sure that we get it right as opposed to just putting something out there that's kind of half-baked and low yeah, effort. That's yeah. a good point because we know people want to see the campaign. Like lots of people have been asking for it, but we don't want to just release it just to make them happy. We want to release it if we think it's going to add something to the game and, and actually be its own thing. So, yeah, we do want to make players happy. We just like, yeah, yeah it just has to be done the right way. Yeah. It's, it's about you. It's about how we we kind of, just uh, just how we do it, you know? It's... And for, for those who have played uh, North Northgard, I know that there is a campaign uh, well, there would would you potentially draw inspirations from from that approach? I mean, it's too early to say at this point. It's something. It's so it's something that's in discussion. It's not something that's in active development right now, but it's something that we're kind of throwing around and looking at ideas for. Uh, obviously, we can draw a lot from what we did on Northgard, but that was five six years ago now. So we have to kind of go further. We have to do better, and we have to look at ways of kind of. Uh, creating something that's 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 more engaging that shows that we've we've grown as developers that we've grown as a studio and kind of go from there. The other thing I saw on the, on the roadmap was uh, talking about the implementation of uh, of hero units. Um, so I guess going back to the point about Northgard for players who are familiar with, with that game, should we expect a similar implementation of how that game had unique uh, units and war sheets? Uh, probably not. 
the the thing about the war chiefs in Northgard is that they're really centric to the gameplay. You don't really expect to see a faction play without them uh, reasonably. Um, the heroes we kind of want to do in Dune is a little different. We want them to be sort of like uh, double-edged swords, so really strong and unique units. But at the same time, they need to be implemented in a way that makes you specialize into some sort of the of aspect of the game. So one of the heroes could be really strong at helping the spying side of things. Um, so you're going to be able to play them in the map, but they also need to be adding something to the gameplay specifically for their play style, kind of like what counselors do right now. Um, so I don't think there's going to be something that similar to Northgard. You're not going to be seeing tons of hero units kind of flying across the map and, and yeah. taking out entire zones by themselves. But yeah. we, we, we've got some cool ideas there, and uh, we're going to have some more information about that within the, the coming months. Uh, that's still a way off at the moment, isn't it? That's uh, yeah. multiplayer is the first focus, and then yeah. we've got uh, hero units a bit further down the line. It is. Yeah. So uh, stay tuned. We, we will have info on, on all of our social media and our website and on Discord and stuff like that. So, And I was, I was really excited to see uh, that there's a, another faction reveal coming up. So uh, the fifth faction uh, for, for the game. Uh, so what can you share about the game design process that goes into adding a, a new faction and I guess the balancing and other factors that go into that? Yeah, it's, it's a pretty tedious task. Um, so we don't want to just add a faction like a replica of some other faction. As you know, we do try to create as much asymmetry as possible within the factions. So adding a new faction means creating new gameplays, creating new specifics and mechanics that didn't exist yet. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty big process. Um, we try to both create a faction that was sort of expected by the community. We don't want to like pull out just some random obscure faction just to surprise people for the sake of it. Um, yeah. But we also kind of want to make it unique and exciting. So it takes time because we need to rethink some aspect of the game. Uh, creating a new faction is going to be, um, is going to have an impact on existing systems and it's going to change things up. So it's a, it's a pretty big process. Um, we are working on a new faction, yes, as the roadmap mentioned, since it takes a while, we started doing that. Um, and yeah, we're trying to explore ideas and see what works and try to create new things, new exciting mechanics. So it's not all of us. Yeah, <laughs> it is not. <laughs> Exclusive review here. <laughs> But yeah, it, it's a pretty big process. So yeah, we're, we're excited for it. Um, it's kind of refreshing for us to be adding that type of, um, of content into the game because multiplayer is by all means really important and really nice, but it doesn't really add new things to the game. So adding a new faction is really exciting yeah. uh, for us. Yeah, and uh, thinking overall about uh, the roadmap, I was uh, interested to understand like how, how you work uh, at all, for example, with the Herbert estate, or is, is it basically like after you get the license, you're, you're free to, to take the approach you want, or do you have some sort of ongoing feedback uh, loop with them? I think there's still a lot of back and forth um, with the Herbert estate, with Legendary, or the movie licenses, with Funcom and stuff like that. So there's a lot of kind of rungs on the ladder to, to go through whenever we do anything in the game. But it's also very flexible. I mean, I don't think there's been many occasions where we've been told, like, no, you can't do that. 
Um, so it is, it's actually really cool to work with, with pretty much everyone that's involved in the project at the moment, because it is, is while it's a, a beloved and, and I mean, um, I'm trying to think of the word, uh, it's a, it's like sacred would be the, probably it's the closest word that I can think of right now. Uh, cause everything is set in the way that it should be. And that there is a world there that you kind of have to adhere to and follow. Um, but whenever we come up with something that's slightly off the, the trodden road, it's uh, it's normally been met with acceptance and like, hey, if this is the way you want to do things, that's that's the way you want to do things, we will support you on that. And that's really cool. And it's nice to have that flexibility and to be able to feel like we're making our game with other people as opposed to making someone else's game. You know, it's, yeah. And the uh, fourth thing that was, was on the roadmap was uh, about, uh, it seems that there's going to be more, um, the interaction with, with with the air and and space like what can uh, players expect from, from that can't tell you anything about that right now <laughs> so that's uh that's i think that's that's quite a bit down the line now um but this is something that we've seen a lot of requests from the community for um with players wanting to see kind of more vehicles in the game so we were looking at how we could kind of do that and appease the players whilst also not kind of detracting from what we're already building in the game and the gameplay that we've kind of developed the game around and the design um, so we have some really cool ideas and some stuff in the pipeline right now that we'll be sharing a lot about in the future again. Um, but it's not something we can go too into detail just yet. We'll, we'll get you hyped further down the line. But right now it's in the works. So yeah. bear with us. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because, of course, Dune is it's set like a science fiction. It's set uh, tens of thousands of years in the future. And you do have all this advanced technology. But at the same time, you have the, the component of, you know, the this, that unique type of warfare, uh, medieval, which I feel is, is captured uh, quite well in yeah. the game. So it'll be interesting to see how that's uh, that is approached. Um, yeah, I think really exciting for, for the people who are first playing the game is that Dune Splice Wars does incorporate so much of those elements of the Dune universe because, you know, it's, uh, there's the politics, there's that uh, infiltration with the espionage, uh, manipulation, dependence on those different uh, resources, whether it's, you know, the, the financial or the, the things like the water, uh, there's the military conflict. Uh, so looking at all those different aspects of, of the gameplay, what would you say that the team is most proud of in terms of what's been accomplished so far? From the start, we wanted to make a game. Obviously, 4X games tend to be uh, pretty complica complicated games, complex. We didn't want to have too many resources in the game. We wanted it to be um, like a sort of a gateway to the genre. So you can actually pick it up and it's not too difficult to understand, too complex at the start, but also really deep. So people who actually invest can actually really get into it and find ways to play that are pretty unexpected and not like the, the the usual thing uh or like the easy way um and i think we've managed that um a lot of people can actually get into the game just play a game and kind of sit through it and see what goes on and it's okay like it's kind of a chill way to play the game but then you also have people who started speed running on the server on the discord server you have people who try to make the biggest possible like salary production yeah. or like you know try to exploit every possible aspect of the game and that's one thing we're really proud of, like being able to have both types of uh, experiences and both players um, enjoying the same game. Um, that's something we wanted to pull uh, from the start. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think for me, it was um, when, I, when, when the game first started coming together and we started seeing actual prototypes, seeing all the ideas of the different systems that would be included in the game and how they kind of interlink and work with each other and be necessary. In, uh, in kind of being successful and, and potentially winning each game 
uh, there was a part of me that was just like, I, it seems it seems too high concept. I don't see how we're going to be able to do this. Um, and I should never doubt my dev team. I should never doubt any of the people here uh, because they really pulled it off. I mean, just uh, playing the game myself and seeing how one thing interacts with another, interacts with another, and it's necessary for this thing to happen and that thing to happen is insane. And the fact that we made that accessible, like Tom said, so that I, I've, I've never been uh, particularly good at 4X games. Um, but I jumped into Spice Wars and immediately knew exactly what I had to do. I knew where I was going. I knew like how to play the game overall. And even with this, this complex kind of variety of systems and these comp like seemingly complicated ways of approaching the game, uh, it was so easy for me to, to kind of get to grips with everything and play the game and feel like I was actually progressing and, and doing better with each match that I had. Uh, so to see that finally come together when I did have a bit of doubt at the start that we'd be able to pull that off is, is, is something I'm really proud of. And I think that team really nailed it. Yeah, I'm actually wondering how much impact it has to be a licensed game because when you get into the game, you don't know the game, but you know the license. So you sort of expect things yeah. uh, to be there, like the spying, the diplomacy, the, all of the, the Landstrad and the voting system and everything. You kind of expect it to be there in some forms, some shape or form um i i maybe that helps a little yeah uh, yeah i think so um and one thing i didn't mention also to answer your question was that the spying and the diplomacy and the politics side of the game i feel like playing forex games before that's one thing that was a little bit neglected in some games uh, the spying was often like dull and not as engaging as it could be. Yeah. So we really try to focus on those systems and try to make something that was engaging for the players and not just make it because it's in every 4X and we need to make one. Yeah. Uh, we didn't want to have systems that were just there to be there. Yeah. We want to really- want to like, like tick off a checklist, you know? Yeah, exactly. Game. Um, so the spying and the, the politics, we're pretty, pretty happy with that. Uh, yeah. Obviously there's still some work to be done and some we're still working on improving them but we're, we're still happy with the results yeah and uh, i can re relate to what you're saying i sort of like just jumped in, into the game and uh, you know i was uh, in, enjoying the, the gameplay itself although i have to admit it took me a couple of attempts before i you know like actually knew what, knew what i was doing yeah and i think that that's uh i think the really interesting point because there there, there is so much to to explore there's a lot of uh uh, systems and like the different uh, aspects of, of gameplay that uh, you know maybe you're, you want to touch on that on your first uh, playthrough and you do have to take that to, into account to be successful uh, is for example like um, having a more expanded tutorial or some sort of guide in the, in the future something that's being considered yeah yeah of course like we focused on creating content for the game for the early access uh, the tutorials we made were like the essential one you can say yeah. uh, so we do want to increase and make more tutorials but one thing, I actually have two things to say about that. Like the first one is, I'm wondering how much experience uh, goes into starting a game, not knowing really what you're going to be doing, exploring, it's your first game, you don't really know. And after playing like maybe an hour, you just stumble upon some system or some mechanics in the game. You're like, wait, so if I had done that from the start, and then you kind of want to start a new game and just yeah. keep playing the game just because you discover things. And also the second thing is that, Tutorials are great, like we do want to make the game accessible and uh, easy to understand and guide the new players towards um, what they should be doing. But it's still a forex games. There is a lot of information to process. There's tons of systems interacting with each other. And I don't think it would be good to have like a wall of text and you just get into your first game and you spend 30 minutes reading text 
you don't really know what it's talking about. It's going to, it's going to be telling you like, oh, you can interact in this system with that. And you're like, what is this system? I mean, it's, it's, so. it's very in line with the books as well. Because uh, rereading the first book at the moment, you're kind of, they're throwing out terms like Landstrad and Choam and stuff like that in the first couple of chapters. And I, I was there like, I have no idea what this is. What are you talking about? Like, okay. And then for, the further you get into the book, the more you're like, oh, okay. All right, all right, that's this, that's that. And you get more understanding of what they were talking about. But it feels like you're being thrown into a living world in the book. And there's, there's a lot of similarity yeah. uh, in the game to, to, to that kind of degree where you, you're going to have a lot of things going on and seeing things that might not necessarily make sense to you. But the more you play and the more you, you kind of engage with the world, the more you'll understand and then everything will come together eventually. Yeah, I, I don't know if that was an intentional way of kind of drawing from the books, but it's, there's certainly a parallel there, which I really enjoy. Yeah, and, and just to finish on that, we want to have a tutorial that makes sure that the player is not lost. Like he, the player needs to know what he can do or she can do within the game, but we don't want to explain every single system or how they interact with each other. We just want to explain here, you can do that and then just go mm -hmm. on and explore the world. Obviously, if people want more, uh, it's, we're in early access. So, so yeah. if, if we get feedback that people need more tutorials or need more tooltips and stuff like that, we're never going to say no to anything. Uh, yeah, there's still more yeah. planned already. So yeah, 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 we're expanding on that. And one of the dynamics that, that I personally really enjoyed was the fact that there are those different victory conditions. You know, you can go for the military victory, the, you can uh, become the governor of, uh, of Arrakis. Uh, so it's, uh, it adds a nice element of, of, of the game and some, uh, some tension towards the end as, as well. Is, yeah. is there a victory condition that uh, most players uh, tend to win uh, games with? And uh, is that the one that, uh, that you expected? Yeah. Um, so when the game came out, um, as soon as early access came out, Obviously, it was the hegemony victory because it's sort of like the default victory. So we knew people didn't know the game. They were going to be, you know, learning the mechanics, exploring. So it's oftentimes you just play the game and it, you, you end up winning at some point with the hegemony system. Uh, looking at more recent stats, uh, this has become the least popular victory, obviously, <laughs> because people kind of get comfortable with the game and they learn how to play the game. They know, they start a game knowing, oh, this time I'm going to assassinate people. Yeah. Um, so we kind of expected that. And um, it's it's now become the least um, favorite, I would say. But that will, that will evolve as we develop the game as well. Because I mean, we, as I said earlier, we want to make every, every win condition viable. Uh, we want to make sure that the people can play the game the way that they want to play the game. They don't feel kind of like cornered into playing in one specific way. Um, so uh, and I don't, I don't, do we, there's been talks of other victory conditions yeah. and stuff potentially in the future as well. So that's something we're expanding upon, potentially. Yeah, we have ideas. We're just like exploring things, but it would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in terms of... Um... I think you touched on that earlier about how, you know, when you're playing the games for, for the first time, you're dis discovering things. And um, I know that some people have, have mentioned, you know, when you're, you're playing a game and then maybe you realize that, you know, earlier on you, you took the, the wrong decision, you're, you know, you invest yeah. in the wrong resources and you have a deficit. And at that point, it seems like very difficult to sort of get back on, on course. Is that something that you're, you're thinking about uh, in terms of adjustments? Well, from my perspective, I feel like the game does a pretty good job of uh, creating a balance through it all. So what we try to do is, let's say, fuel cells. You are in deficit. You didn't expect some things. You didn't plan properly. We try to have the problem 
solve itself in a way. Uh, maybe a good example of that is water. If you don't have any more water, your troops don't regenerate and they're going to end up dying, which will free up water. Uh, so it's sort of like a self-solving problem. Yeah. Um, and that's one way to alleviate that, I so, think. It's a very uh, alternate view. <laughs> Yeah, so, so pretty much. Let yeah. die. Yeah. <laughs> More water for and then we'll get water. Um, but that's what that's one thing we try to do to actually create uh, more of an easy to understand. Oh, how do I solve this issue? How do I come back from this situation? Uh, I don't think there's too many situations in the game right now where you're basically stuck and you can't do anything, unless obviously it's someone else pressuring you, some opponents or yeah. anything. But just the game itself, I think you can always come back from things, um, especially since at the end of it all, like you could just disband every single village you have and you would come back to a stable economy. Yeah, uh, that's not something you should do, but you can always go back to that. So we were like, it's kind of a safe way to think about it. You, you know, you can always shrink back before you start expanding again or differently. Yeah. And recently there was that uh, community update that uh, addressed a number of uh, smaller topics, uh, existing elements, added a couple of uh, new things. So I guess there, there's the, the roadmap, which seems to be larger milestones. What, yeah. what can uh, players expect from, I guess, like will it be more of these smaller updates on a regular basis? What's your sort of overall approach for that? Yeah, so what we'd like to do is uh, take a similar approach to what we've done with our other games in the past, which is where we'll, we'll do the larger content updates um where we kind of bring new features and mechanics and content to the game um and then we'll kind of see what the response to that is and see how the community are playing with that kind of stuff uh and how the game changes as a result of that being added and then we'll, we'll take the community's feedback and suggestions off of the back of that uh develop an update that kind of balances things out and sets the foundations for the next content update as well so that's why we call them community updates because they're based almost entirely on the feedback of our players um, and it's something that helps us kind of develop the game in, in, in line with what the community wants, um, whilst also kind of bringing the stuff that we already have planned to the game at the same time. So that's going to be something that will happen. It'll be, it'll be content update, community update, content update, community update. Uh, sometimes there might be a bit of variation there, but that's, that's kind of the, the goal at the moment. That's the target. One of the things I definitely want to want to touch on is the the art and the, the visuals of, of the game. I know that that's been brought up as a, as a positive in in our review and many of the reviews I've seen. Uh, yeah. So, uh, what how how was the development uh, in terms of the the art perspective? Like, uh, who was involved and how how was the interaction uh, when when getting that uh, into the game? Well, from from the artist's perspective, um, it was just exploring anything, uh, trying concepts, uh, trying to see what works, what doesn't, trying to see how much we can um, adapt from what we think should be the lore, because obviously everyone has its own interpretations of what this character should look like, or what this unit should be, or what this structure should look like. Like the main bases, for example, there's like so many iterations yeah. where we just wanted to give it like a vibe or like a, an, an identity, mm -hmm. you could say. Um, so the team uh, pretty much enjoyed the, the process, I think. Like they, they exactly. could really explore yeah. anywhere they wanted. Um, and then we ended up sort of like choosing in the team what people enjoyed the most, basically. Yeah. Uh, we would just, like artists would just give like sketches or concepts and they would be like, which one do you prefer most? And yeah. people would vote and be like, okay, it's probably going to be this one. And they would 
yeah, just that. So we're obviously uh, our artists were drawing from pretty much every source of doing that you can possibly imagine as well. So they were looking at books, they were looking at comics, they were looking at movies, they were looking at TV series, they were looking at the board games, um, even fan arts, <laughs> even fan art. Yeah, anything, anything, anything that you can possibly imagine that had the Doom license attached to it. They kind of looked at it and thought we could, yeah, that 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 part's cool. Let's use that. Uh, and then they, we, uh, our artists are actually posting a lot of their concept art on their personal channels at the moment. Uh, yeah, maybe I can I can give you the link to that and, okay, and yeah. put some of them in the in the in the description. But there's there's some really really cool looks of what could have been. Um, I think we got the I think we chose the right designs pretty much across the board. Yeah, but it's also really interesting to see how those kind of designs evolved and grew over time, especially uh, from feedback within the studio and and with with Funcom Legendary, the the Herbert Estate and whatnot whatnot. So uh, yeah, I think it was a really cool experience for them to to kind of put their own mark on this this universe that has been around for so long as well. Yeah, it's interesting you say it that way because I feel like every artist has had at some point their own little uh, way of of creating content. Yeah. So obviously there's like a general direction. There's the art director, and we know where we want to go. But every artist kind of like added its own little thing yeah. uh, to what they worked on. So I, f I feel like that's really nice because you can see a little bit of the style or the way they do things and, and yeah. who did what. Think that's Jeremy. That's, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's pretty nice as well. Mm -hmm. And the like to close out uh, that that point. I understand that you also had a geologist who was involved in terms of the desert uh, yeah. landscape. Yeah. So how did that work? <laughs> Which kind of uh, I can't remember how it exactly started. I, I think it was, it was there was like a hey you could bring in this guy who's extremely well-versed in, in geology and kind of desert environments and stuff like that to help you with scoping out the game and how you should develop the the, the, the environments in the game. And we were like, absolutely. Yeah, sure. I mean, this, this is a game that's 99% sand and desert. Yeah. So we don't know anything about that. If there's an expert out there, we'll bring them in. And they came in and they helped us with so much stuff. And they they really helped us kind of nail the feel of the world and and the way that the desert would kind of react in certain situations and, and yeah. stuff like that. Because the, the artists, they actually touched on that in one of the videos about the game. Um, it was really difficult for them to create the, well, difficult. I mean, it's a challenge to create this world in Dune, Arrakis, because it's just the same color everywhere, basically. Yes. It, it could be really dull. So they wanted it to make it um, really like more unique, more better looking you could say yeah but at the same time they didn't want to make it become uh unrealistic you yeah. could say we so want to also keep the universe too yeah you could you could have just like a huge field of yeah uh, exactly. just like kind of vegetation and animals and stuff like that just because it's a 4x and meet different environments you have to find different ways of creating different environments and different fuels in different areas uh while staying within the confines of of the world that you're, you're working with it yeah so like the special regions we we wanted to make it something uh like some unique regions, but we we kind of wanted to keep it realistic, so that's why he really helped us. Yeah, uh, exactly. For, you know, stay focused on what would be realistic given the context. So. Yeah, he's a really cool guy too, and he seemed pretty happy with the results. He, yeah. he told us that it's pretty realistic, yeah. <laughs> based on his knowledge at least. Yeah, which is sizable. <laughs> yes, sizable. Yeah, it's a good least. amount of knowledge. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so yeah, the, the last question that I wanted to uh, to ask, uh, and that's for, for both of you. Uh, so let's uh, talk about future vision, the long-term golden path. So what are your biggest hopes for Dune Spice Wars and its growing community in the next couple of years? 
Yeah, sure. Uh, for me, I'd like to I'd like to be in the position we are now with Northgard, five or six years from now with Dune, uh, where we're still pumping out content, we're still doing regular free updates, we're still we're still engaging with the fans, and we're still setting up multiplayer matches between the devs and the players and stuff like that. I'd love to see that. That's 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 something I because I think it has the legs. I I mean I think everyone here was was much more confident in Dune being a success than Northgard ever was. Um, and we we absolutely nailed it with Northgard. So if we can replicate that with Dune Spice Wars and have the same kind of like sustained success and sustained support, uh, I'll be a very, very happy person. Obviously our community will be very, are very, very happy people. Um, so ideally six years from now, we can we can sit back down and, and chat with you guys about what's next for Dune Spice Wars uh, community update number 437 or something like that. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's kind of what you said. Um, like the first people to be excited about the new features are actually the devs. Yeah. Um, uh, as we mentioned, multiplayer is in the works, and we're the first ones excited to test it out and play amongst ourselves and just try the game. And um, so, if we can keep that and keep the game engaging, at least for us, I feel like it's going to translate into the community and into the fans and, and the players. Um, and from a development perspective, at least for me. Um, I want it to remain uh, like a game where we can challenge ourselves and like explore new things. As I, I mentioned it earlier with the addition of a new faction, I, I hope we can keep creating new stuff that are like rethinking the way the game works or adding new things and not just, you know, pumping out content just because of content. And um, it's still, it still <laughs> to be, needs to be kind of engaging, I, I think, for the team, which is a big plus for people to stay motivated Absolutely. and just enjoy what they do and yeah it's exciting yeah really looking forward to see what uh, what comes next and uh yeah th th thank you both uh tom james for uh for uh, answering these, these these questions i think uh, a lot of the the fans are excited uh, for what they've seen from the game so far and what's uh, what's coming next yeah thank you so much for having us yeah, yeah so it's been you. it's been really cool talking with you yeah yeah, uh, so obviously follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Discord. We have a website, we're on Steam. Uh, if you haven't bought the game yet, it's, it's, it's really cool. We highly recommend it. Um, it's in early access, so it's going to continue getting better. Um, I, uh, join us on Discord, because that's where the discussion is right now. We've got such a, a great community that's building on there, and it's, it's so hard to manage at the moment because it's just constant talking. Um, and so many cool people, especially in the build up to multiplayer, when we're going to have just tons and tons of people playing against each other, it's a great time to jump in. And to everyone that's already played the game, thank you so much for your support so far. Thank you so much for all your feedback. Um, it's been incredible seeing the reaction, the reception, and uh, we're really, really happy that we provided something that you guys are enjoying. Yeah. Oh, you've covered it all. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's really nice. Uh, I hope more people are going to be coming to the Discord and just interact share their 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 thoughts their experience and yeah. and you know just keep the game alive and let's let's just keep doing that yeah doing spice wars on every social media channel yeah. uh, you'll find us great and this was uh, marcus gabriel your editor-in-chief at uh, dune newsnet and you can look forward to more dune spice wars and more of everything dune on dunenewsnet.com we hope you've enjoyed dune talk remember to like subscribe and turn on notifications so you know when the next episode drops. Stay tuned to doomnewsnet.com and add us to your social feeds. Be the first to hear breaking news and reviews.